All right, here we are. Welcome, welcome, fellow Illumineers, to Once Upon a Lorcana, the family-friendly podcast where the magic of Disney meets the enchantment of card collecting. I'm Benji, and with me is my little brother Noah, and together we're your guides through the incredible tales and adventures that await us in the world of Lorcana. Get ready for Lorcana lore like you've never experienced before. Where the cards are our storybooks, and every shuffle is a new adventure. How are you doing today, Benji? Doing so good. How are you, Noah? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad we finally are are getting this off the ground. It's going to be really exciting. Yes, let's hope it works this time. We've had our fair share of, uh, you know, challenging vicissitudes, if you will. Yep. But uh, we're moving forward. Uh, Listeners, this is our first podcast ever, and our first episode. It's a big deal. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed our cheesy intro. We worked really hard on that. That's right. (laughs) Um, We'd love to just kind of introduce ourselves a little bit. So uh, as I said, my name is Benji. I love love games, trading card games, video games, board games. Love games, you know? Um, I grew up, you know, watching Pokemon. Loved Pokemon. I remember running home from elementary school with my older brother. And we'd get home and open up our armoire and uh, throw in our VHS to record the newest episode of Pokemon. Um, we loved it. We we watched Pokemon, played it on the Game Boy. I had red, he had blue, um, and and collected cards. And it was just a joy. You know, I still have a bunch of my my childhood cards. You know, my base set cards, my fossil, my uh, jungle cards. Um, and so I still love Pokemon, and that's been been a part of me for quite some time it's fun i have four kids now and uh i've been sharing that love of pokemon with them and it's it's fun to you know see them open packs and get excited and it's just a joy so i kind of have that that i don't know if it's a gene or what have that joy where um i just love collecting cards love these fun things got into magic for a while um and then when I heard about Lorcana, I was like, wait a minute. And you're telling me there's a new trading card game that's Disney? All right, I got to check this out, right? So that's where that's where I come from. Just a background of loving games, card games. Played a bunch of them, including, you know, Magic, Pokemon, even Hearthstone and, and some other online games. And so this will be fun as we kind of uh, talk about Lorcana together and uh, share our thoughts and our adventures with you guys. And Hopefully you'll be able to share some thoughts back with us and it'll, it'll be fun. Absolutely. And you know, Benji, I think that uh, I kind of took after you a little bit. It must've been something about seeing the Pokemon cards scattered throughout the house growing up. I (laughs) I saw them and I'm like, man, I need some of those. That's right. So yeah, I think that was probably my first escapade into trading card games as well was just collecting the Pokemon cards. And I think that it was more of a, a collecting aspect than it really was um, playing and battling right going into yeah. the gameplay of it um, and I think that changed a little bit for me maybe about four or five years ago when some friends of mine introduced me to Magic the Gathering and yeah um, for those of you who who play it you know that it's uh it's not s- incredibly approachable right and so first off you're like wow this is so obscure and like complicated <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you get into it and you're like well actually I, I kind of love that about it and I think that Lorcana kind of holds an interesting niche in the trading card game um, pool because you do have these lovable characters and it is really strategic, but it is a lot more approachable. 
And so that's something that I was really excited about it as well. Now, um, I also love Disney, Disney movies, Disney shows, Disneyland, just like my brother Benji. Um, and I think specifically the old school stuff, right? And it's hard yeah, to know if yeah. it's because because those were made better or because they had you know better theming to them or if it's just because of the nostalgia of, of seeing Could growing be. up. But, that's but I mean, another, they're good. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another draw for um, Lorcana is that with this first set and, and this upcoming one as well, they're primarily focusing on these original characters, you know, characters from like the, the classic princess movies or like Sword in the Stone, one of my favorites. But, you know, most people would think that that's kind of obscure, but I think it's awesome. So, yeah, totally. You know, I, I had my kids watch Sword in the Stone just yesterday and uh, my son loved it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun that that Lorcana is getting me uh, interested in showing my kids some of the older movies that I, you know, grew up with. So it's it's kind of a fun little thing there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, we just kind of wanted to talk about um, just kind of our introductions, who we are, and then maybe you know some introductions to to Lorcana, Lorcana, and uh, how these first couple months have been, you know, after release and. And how we heard about it and all that. So Noah, do you want to do you want to start out about how you heard about it? Yeah, you know, I think that the first uh, the first time I heard about it must have been from different YouTube channels and podcasts that do news about Magic: The Gathering because they say, "Hey, there's this new trading card game coming up, um, Disney Lorcana." And I think that some people in the community were actually a little bit worried that it might take some of the player base from uh, from Magic, or that it might. Uh, you know, diminish Magic's popularity. It seems sure. the general consensus is that, um, you know, there's plenty of attention to go around. And it seems like lots of people seem to be enjoying both, as well as continuing to enjoy Pokemon and Flesh and Blood and, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. It's like the the market for these things just grows and grows and grows. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what you said earlier about Lorcana being approachable. I think that's one of my favorite things about it is that it's not it's not too hard to understand. You know, my yep. my introduction with it, um, I had heard about it a little bit. And to be honest, at first I was like, is this going to be one of those like trading card things that just kind of flops? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it could go one way or the other. I don't think there was any mid ground for this. And I didn't have the highest hopes. So I actually I, I wasn't there day one for Lorcana when it launched. Um but I was interested about a week later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's it's so cool because I went to my local game shop and they, uh, it, you know, it's so hard to get product. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But what they do is every Tuesday they have Lorcana League. And I was there for a Tuesday because I was like, oh, man, I got to make sure I go on a Tuesday. Right. So I went there and they had some starter decks available for purchase if you were there to play with other players. Right. Mm. So. Went there, purchased a starter deck, called one of my buddies. I was like, hey, they have Lorcana here. You want to come play? And he came down, and, and we, uh, I, I basically learned how to play while playing one match with this, this, kind, uh, this kind girl who kind of showed me the ropes. So nice of her. She, she played with her hand just on the table so we could both see her cards and my right, cards and understand right. what they do. And, and, and after one game, I was sold. I was like, man this is sweet. This is really cool. And it's only gotten better from there, but that's kind of my introduction to it. So Mm -hmm. pretty fun. 
And, you know, something else about it being approachable is that you do have these these synergies and combos, right? Because you've got all these different things that trigger off everything else. Sometimes I might describe it to people as like a Rube Goldberg machine, right? This one thing yeah. happens and it triggers that thing and does another thing. But unlike Magic the Gathering, um, you really only do stuff on your own turn and you can do it in any order, uh, which means that you never really need to stress about like, oh, I'm going to activate this at instant speed on my opponent's turn, which is something that you really need to keep in mind if you're playing Magic. And so I like yeah, that it's yeah. more traditional in that sense. You you play the game when it's on your turn. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 nice and easy and kind of, you know, harkens back to some of my favorite video games, you know, those turn-based role-playing games like Pokemon or Final Fantasy or things like that. Kind of fun. Um, so we thought it might be nice to kind of just go over a, a very basic introduction to the game. I know it's been out for a while, so most listeners, you know, you're probably like, eh, whatever, we already got this. But, you know, just in case there's some new listeners, um, basically what, what Lorcana is, you have a deck around 60 cards, and there are six different ink colors, right? And uh, out of those inks, a deck is comprised of two different colors. You can have up to two colors. There's some other special, you know, formats where you can have a bunch, but but normal gameplay, two colors of ink, and it's full of characters, items, actions, and songs. That's one of the funnest things is that, that the characters can sing songs, which is, I just love it. Yeah, um, very flavorful. Yeah. So basically, the, the point of the game is to get your characters to quest and get 20 lore. So each card will have um, their ink cost, they'll have their attack, their defense, and their lore. And so those are the things you'll look at. And uh, each turn, you can quest and add up your lore, or you can challenge the other characters to banish them, right? So that's kind of how it works. And uh, super approachable, really fun, really easy. Um, Noah, do you want to talk about, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, inkables, non-inkables, what that means? Yeah. So, it, see, it's really interesting because uh, it seems like traditional trading card games, when you think of Pokemon and when you think of Magic, you have your resource cards, right? In Pokemon, yes, energies or your... Exactly, energies, yeah. land cards. Um, and those will take up a good chunk of your deck because you need to use them as your resource to play everything else. Uh, right. What's interesting about Lorcana is that uh, most all of your cards can be used as your resource. And uh, the uh, defining trait that allows them to do so is this golden motif that surrounds the cost on the top corner of the card. If that golden motif is there, it means that the card is inkable. And so once per turn, you can take any of your inkable cards, put one of them face down in front of you, and that acts as an ink that you can use each turn. Uh, you call that your inkwell. And so as the turns go on, you're, you're adding one more ink to your inkwell every turn, um, and you get access to this resource, you know, refreshed every single turn. So turn one, you'll have one ink. Turn two, you'll have two. And, you know, certain exceptions come up where you might actually be able to accelerate that process. But it's a really That's fun right. thing to work with because you don't actually need to sacrifice a, a hefty portion of your deck for these standard uh, resource cards. You could have all playables in your deck, which is a really exciting prospect. It really is. It's it's awesome. Um, so the ones that you can't ink, instead of having that nice kind of uh, more more golden motif, it's a solid kind of line around the, the cost to play the card in the upper left corner. 
And that tells you, oh, this one you can't ink. You got to keep it in your hand until you play it, right? And so there's, you know, uh, there's there's kind of best practices out there a little bit about how many non-inkables you want in your hand. Because the non-inkables, they're generally better for the cost because you can't ink them. So it's a little tricky. You don't want too many of them because then you can't ink your cards to have more resources to play the higher cost cards. But it just makes it so fun. I I really like uh, how it works. But one of the things that that happens because of this is that card draw is a really big, important part of this game, right? Massive. Yeah, because you're you're drawing a card every turn. You can ink a card and you can play a card. So you're losing a card every turn if you do that. So you, you kind of get down to very few cards. So it's really important to have cards that can, you know, have certain abilities or or ways to draw cards. Some cards even force your opponent to discard cards, which is just so painful. <laughs> yep, yep. So, I can testify to that. That's that's true. So some of the uh, the cards have different abilities, right? And we'll just go over a couple uh, of the abilities that are that are around in this first chapter. Um, maybe I'll go over a couple. You can go over a couple. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my favorites is uh, is evasive, right? And this is kind of like stealth, right? This card it has stealth; it can't be targeted unless a character on the opposing side also has evasive, right? So it can kind of quest every turn and and be protected because it's it has this evasive ability, which which I really like. It's fun. It's harder to get rid of those if you're playing against them. Yeah, you need to know how you're going to deal with evasive threats. Right. Because if not, then you're just going to get run over by those decks. Yeah, yeah. Um, another fun one that I like is Bodyguard. Bodyguard is kind of like uh, a taunt, if you're familiar with that. So you can play your card exerted. That means you turn it sideways, And uh, it, it forces your opponent to have to choose that character to attack. So it's a really good protecting uh, ability if you have some other weaker cards that you want to protect, um, that you want to quest with or something, you play down a, a bodyguard and uh, that'll force your opponent to have to, you know, select that card to challenge and banish. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. The main thing that comes to my mind in terms of bodyguard is uh, the mechanic in, in Hearthstone. I think it I think it is taunt. Is that what you yeah. mentioned before? Yeah. Yep. And see that it seems like a good comparison to me because Hearthstone is one of those games where your characters are directly challenging other characters. Right. Uh, whereas in Magic, you know, you don't actually attack particular characters on your attack phase. You just yeah. attack your opponent and they decide how to block. But uh, Bodyguard is a very strong feature, especially if the uh, the rest of your cards are meant to, um, you know, if they're giving you value, but perhaps they're a little bit weak or they're a bit squishy. You want to protect them. Totally. Yep. Um, one of the other ways you can protect cards is if they have an ability called Ward. Ward basically means that you can't select that card for anything. So let's say let's say one of Noah's cards has Ward, and I have a card that that you know deals damage to it directly. I can't select that card because it has Ward. It has this protective shield. There's also other cards. There's an Aurora card uh, that. Uh, gives all her all your other characters in play ward so it, it's kind of a cool cool uh ability there to kind of give them some protection so they can't be selected directly so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. 
Do you want to talk about uh, some of the other ones? We have Shift, we have Reckless, Rush. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, Shift is one of the most interesting ones to me because uh, in essence, what it is, is you are leveling up or you're evolving one of your characters. Yes, evolving. I love that. Yeah, it's really neat because typically when you're playing a, um, you know, a really heavy hitter, then it's going to cost a lot. But some of these high cost cards, you know, that that Aurora that you mentioned, I think it's like a seven drop or something, but you can shift it kind of superimpose it on top of a previous Aurora card for a cheaper cost. Oh, yeah, I think it's a it's a five ink, but it can shift for three. Yes. Okay. And see, that's great because in theory, you could get that card down on turn three, right? If we're assuming that you have three ink by that point. Yep. And not only that, but you'll be able to use it immediately. Whereas if you were to play it normally, characters can't do anything until the turn cycle comes back to you. So, because apparently their ink has to dry. It takes yes. a turn for their ink to dry. Yeah. You know, in the uh, the lore of Lorcana. <laughs> it's such a flavorful way to describe it. And, you know, something that's worth bringing up is that, you know, Disney or um, Ravens, what's the company they have doing this particular? Oh, yeah, like Ravensburger or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done such a good job at naming the mechanics and gameplay elements in a way that just feels so disney right you're not you're not killing or attacking other characters you are challenging them and then banishing them or you're not attacking your opponent but you are rather um questing and so it just makes it feel um very playful which i think is a fun thing um let's talk a little bit about rush and reckless now we mentioned how rush or we mentioned rather how characters can't do much the turn that they're played because their ink is drying if a character has rush they get around that Uh, the equivalent in magic would be haste so you can think of that comparison reckless uh, is interesting because it means that the character actually cannot quest um, and they they attack instead and uh, that's good for more aggressive play styles if you're hoping to be uh, very challenging and rushing down your opponent's creatures absolutely yeah so there's there's some fun abilities this is all in uh the first chapter of lorcana which uh i think lorcana the the goal is to have a, a new chapter i think it's every three months or so um so they're getting ready for chapter two which comes out i think it's november 17th and uh with that new release there's going to be a couple maybe a couple new uh, abilities. Uh, one of those is resist and, you know, we'll learn more about, about some of those things and talk about them later, but it's just awesome. It's, it's really fun. Um, so perhaps we should talk just a little bit about different ink colors. You know, what do we like? What do they do? Yeah. You know? Uh, so do you want to start off for us? I would love to. And I think awesome. this is one of the most exciting aspects of the game. And, um, it's a very important element for a lot of card games because it allows your decks to feel unique when you make different combinations. And uh, considering that each one of these color identities has their own play style, it really feels like you're, you know, conjuring this unique play experience by saying, I want this play style combined with this play style. Right. Um, Some of my favorites are uh, Emerald, which is the green color, Sapphire, which is blue, and then steel, which is going to be that silvery gray, right? Yes. Yes. Um, emerald 
is really interesting because it seems like its focus is to disincentivize your opponent from challenging your creatures. So some examples might be uh, Cusco, for example. Uh, we were talking about that one earlier, uh, earlier today, me and Benji. And that one's really interesting because when it is challenged and, and defeated, it will also defeat whatever was challenging it, right? Yeah. Very, very strong ability. Or there's also a Cruella de Vil. Uh, and when it's defeated, you can return one of your opponent's characters back to their hand, uh, which is very strong as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. For for Emerald, I feel like, you know, if I'm going back to my, my World of Warcraft days or, you know, my D&D, Emerald kind of feels like the rogue, you know, color. Yeah. They're kind of crafty. They're kind of sneaky. They have these these abilities that are annoying, right? So it's it's those mm-hmm. little right. that'll get you when you don't understand. Gotta work around it. Yeah. On the on the Lorcana website, DisneyLorcana.com, it talks about Emerald and it says that um, you know, Emerald, they're they're gifted with the ability to adapt to changing circumstances. They're never caught off guard. They're quick thinking, but not necessarily book smart. They navigate their environment, whether physical or social, natural or artificial, with ease. Just I, I like how yeah. you know Lorcana kind of describes these different inks. Kind of fun. But I love Emerald. It's such a fun one to play, but it's an annoying one to play against. <laughs> right, right. Yep. So let's see. Let's go into uh, Amber, perhaps. So Amber is kind of the yellowish-orange uh, color of ink. And Amber, to me, uh, it's kind of like, again, going back to uh, you know the, the, the World of Warcraft or, or D&D, it's kind of like the supporter uh, class. Or supporter ink yeah. to me. Um, you have a lot of healing going on. You have a lot of card draw. Um, it's not so focused on attacking, but but more on um, you know building up your resources and questing. It says that um, amber glimmers are purposeful, and glimmers are the are the characters, I believe. Yeah, they're patient and dedicated. They're able to pursue causes and ambitions with single minded persistence. They often work within communities, either from above as a leader or from within as a healer, bodyguard, or just a loyal follower. Amber has some really awesome cards, and it's it's kind of in the uh, the meta, which meta is kind of like you know one of the most competitive cards right now. What's, what's yeah, the best yeah. deck? Amber is used a lot um, in the current scene of things with Chapter One. Really fun ink color. Yeah, it seems to me too. It, it's hard to know if it's just my interpretation or if there's actually meant to be an intentional sub theme here. But um, it seems like Amber does a lot with value plays and card draw as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe that does fit into its overarching theme of kind of being a, a support color because you can pair it up with most other colors and it's going to help you out. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Let's look at Sapphire. Now, Sapphire is described by the Disney Lorcana website saying, Sapphire glimmers are intellectual, intelligent, and creative. They excel at strategy, invention, and the arts. They can almost always know something, plan something, or invent something that will win the day. I love it. Very, very flavorful description. It seems to me that uh, one of the really big elements of Sapphire is ramp. Yes, uh, meaning getting ahead of the game as far as how much ink is actually in your ink well. A couple um, examples of that might be one jump ahead. I believe that's the two ink card. It's got Aladdin on it, that little scene where he jumps out the window, right? 
Right, right. And that allows you to take a card from the top of your deck and put it into your inkwell. And so by making some of these early play investments, it allows you to do some really big, you know, game changing stuff later in the game, uh, assuming you can just hold off until then. Right. So that's one of my favorite aspects of, of Sapphire. Did you have anything to add to that, Benji? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sapphire is awesome. Like you said, that the, the thing that stands out the most, like you said, is that ramp ability or to get all the ink and the inkwell quickly. Um, the other thing that I think of is is kind of like uh, items. There's a couple yeah. characters that work really well with items. There's a, a Bell. There's a Maurice. There's a Tomatoa. Mm-hmm. There's there's some ways to be really inventive and, and creative with item use, um, which is pretty fun. So sapphires, it's a cool a cool color to play with. Uh, really fun. Love it. Mm-hmm. It definitely does feel like uh, one of the more intentional colors for item usage. Seems like it has most of the support for the uh, item archetype. Right, right. Yep. Well, let's let's go into Amethyst next. Amethyst is, is kind of like our, our purple deck, right? And to me, these are kind of like uh, the magical ink. So very magical, mystical, mage-like, you know? Uh, yeah. It says, Amethyst glimmers are wondrous. For this is the otherworldly ink of sorcerers, sages, animated objects, and other glimmers who use their special powers to achieve their aims. They are incredibly powerful when they have access to their amazing abilities, but may land in trouble if they're stripped of those or tap into power they can't control. Um, also a really awesome uh, ink color to use, um, Amethyst. Amethyst is cool because um, you have you have cards like... Um, friends on the other side where mm. you know it's it's a song right and uh it's from dr facilier i think it's in uh yeah yeah princess and the frog right um you can have a character sing it and you draw two cards which is really nice that's probably you know as we talked about earlier probably one of the best things you can do is is have cards that draw other cards right so yep love that ability another another one of the standout cards for me is um the the Elsa. There's a couple different Elsas, but uh, I sh- I should have the subtext. But it's the uh, it's the really powerful Elsa that when you play her, you can exert two of the um, opponents, and they can't ready their next turn. So it's saying, hey, I'm gonna freeze both of you, and you're frozen for your next turn. You can't quest, you can't attack, you can't challenge, nothing. And mm. I think that's so powerful. Right. You know, I don't I don't have any of those cards yet. She's super hard to get, but uh really incredible some some cool cool strategies with amethyst yeah yeah absolutely um one card that i'm really excited to build around with amethyst is the sorcerer mickey yes it's got some synergies with the the brooms you can play them for cheaper and and then the brooms have an effect when they enter and it just feels like a value machine but definitely one of the colors i'm excited to play with yeah i love it let's look at steel Steel glimmers are strong, large, and imposing, armored, or just plain powerful. Steel glimmers can apply huge amounts of brute force to get the job done. I like that description. Yeah. Um, it seems to me like steel does two things, one of which is that uh, it's just very strong, right? Offensively and defensively, as far as looking at the stats, we're looking at the way that um, some of the characters are able to challenge others with the challenger mechanic, making them even stronger. Um, it's, it's very good at challenging and combat. The other thing is that it utilizes damage. 
whether that's area of effect damage, you know, like these big, like hit all damage cards. Yeah. The grab your these, swords. Exactly. Yeah. Or the, the tinker mash or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's also some targeted ones, right? There's the smash, there's um, fire the cannons. And so it does a really good job at kind of uh, gatekeeping, kind of being the policeman. Like, okay, I don't want you to have that. I don't want you to have that. And, you know, I've got the the manpower to prove it. Yeah, that's right. It's a really interesting ink color. It kind of reminds me of a, you know, your stereotypical tank. You know, these are beefy. Right. Yeah, beefy cards with some bodyguard abilities, and then it has these, you know, these uh, targeting actions that can just take out some of the weaker ones. Mm-hmm. Really awesome, awesome ink to play with as well. Um, and then last is, I believe, ruby. So our our ruby color uh, ink. This is red, of course. On the website, it says that ruby glimmers are daring. They use their speed and bravery to defy the odds. They're often warriors, explorers, and daredevils. Can't forget that that goofy daredevil card. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh man. So Ruby is pretty fun. It, it in my mind, it's kind of also like the warrior, but this isn't the tank warrior. This is kind of the uh the berserker warrior or going out right. like the, bravery. the DPR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the fun standout cards for this for me are the Maleficent Monstrous Dragon super crazy card it's nine ink so you really have to build up your ink well and when you get to turn nine or or when you have nine ink you can play it and the turn you play it you can banish any one of the other characters as long as they don't have ward right but it's Mm. really powerful um some of the other things that are fun are there's an aladdin who uh when you play him the opponent loses a lore and then later on there's a bigger aladdin that's a, a seven cost Aladdin, and when you play him, um, you can shift onto that that smaller Aladdin. And uh, when you banish a character with him, you gain two lore, and they lose two lore, which is massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love playing with that Aladdin, and he's in the starter deck, so pretty pretty easy to get, not too expensive, and really fun to play with for sure. And I think that Aladdin particularly really showcases uh, kind of the play style that Ruby is, right? Because you yeah. need to gain lore to win the game. But that Aladdin is like, what if you could just gain lore by attacking, <laughs> by being aggressive? And so it's like, yeah, it's allowing you to win the game by leaning into that aggressive play style. Totally, totally. Well, that's kind of a, you know, a quick introduction to the game, the different colors of ink. And remember, you can you can combine any two colors together to make a deck. So it's so fun. You know, I've, I've kind of played with a, an emerald ruby deck or a green red deck with with a lot of evasive characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been fun. Um, another one I've tried is is the uh, emerald and sapphire. So the green and blue which has also been awesome, you know, trying to ramp up to that five and then use tons of five cost cards, you know, um, just to try to quest and and finish off the game pretty quick. Um, And there's different strategies and things that we'll talk about in some other episodes, but it's just been a fun adventure. And one of the best things I think has just been opening packs. You know, it's, it's so hard to find them right now. Um, (laughs) But when you do, Man, that's a good feeling, you know. Yeah. The other day, I was, uh, I was thinking, man, I wanna, I wanna find some Lorcana. So, I actually called Target, and uh, I asked them if they had any 
And they said no. And I was like, oh man, well, let me try the customer service desk. And uh, I called the customer service desk and the guy working there said, actually, yeah, we have some, but they're, they're behind the counter. And I was like, wait, when do you close? He's like, uh, about 40 minutes. And I was like, okay, I'm on my way. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove out to Target and uh, I asked this guy and I could tell it was a different guy that I was talking to when I went there. And I asked him, hey, do you have any Lorcana there here at the store? And he's like, oh, no, we don't have any. I was like, wait, I just talked to someone on the phone and they said you do. He's like, wait, really? I was like, yeah, I was talking to someone at this at this desk and he said, you guys do have some. Would you would you mind going back and, and checking? I, you know, maybe you don't, but hopefully you do. That'd be so awesome. You know, mm-hmm. so he goes back, he finds this other guy and uh, the guy tells him, oh, yeah, look at this bin. So he pulls out this bin and it had probably. I don't even know, 60, 70 oh booster word. packs in it. It had a ton. And yeah. I was like, oh man, I just, I just, wow. I just hit the <laughs> jackpot, right? Um, but they're, I mean, they're kind of expensive. It was like, what are they? Are they mm-hmm. $5.99 or $6.99? That's about right. $5.99 a, a pack. And so, you know, and I, I also didn't want to just grab all of them. Right. So I, I texted you. I was like, Hey, do you want me to get some for you? And I, I texted another friend, Hey, I found some. Do you want me to get some for you? So I ended up getting uh 25 packs and uh, gave some to my friend, gave one to you. And I, yeah. I opened some and it was, it was so fun to open. And uh, I wish I had been filming, but, but I wasn't at the time, but, but my second pack that I ever opened I pulled an enchanted Tinkerbell giant fairy, and I was like, no way. That's huge. My kids were sleeping, so I couldn't be too excited or (laughs) or loud about it, but it was so huge. I was just like beaming. I was so excited, and uh, my wife was even happier because I was able to sell the card to pay for all the other ones that (laughs) that I had purchased, right? So she was happy. I was happy. And, uh, I even gained some, you know, after that, that purchase gained some money on top of it. So it was so, so fun to open. And, uh, since then though, I've only been able to find, uh, some starter decks once at Walmart. Um, and that's really it. It's, it's so hard to come by. It's true. And I think, uh, you know, I bought that starter deck off of you that, that you had for me and I, I bought a couple packs off of you. But that's yeah. the only way that I've found access to these cards is the ones that you have found. And yep. so it, it yep. really does show that they're hard to come by. Just this past week, I dropped by probably five game stores here. Let me count. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, four game stores. And uh, none of them had any Lorcana cards. I was like, do you tough. know when they're coming in? They're like, oh, well, maybe in, in November. Uh, I was happy to hear that the restock is coming slightly sooner than was expected. So yes. ideally it shouldn't be so hard anymore but it has made it quite an interesting um you know opening month for the or opening couple months for the game yeah and you know it's 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 a tricky subject because you want product right you want there to be product you want people to get it to be able to play for it but but honestly when it's hard to find it makes it a little bit more fun to find you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's true like like i'm not i'm not saying go out and buy all the product and scalp right and sell it for more I'm, I'm i'm not really in favor of that but when other people are doing it it does create this kind of scarcity mindset so that when you do find it, it it's an even better feeling you're like yes you know you feel mm-hmm. like you won something it's and, true uh, the the only other place i've ever found product is at my local game shop 
And uh, what they do is they, they do kind of a, an hourly raffle during their league play. And um, with some of the raffles, they'll give away a promo card or a pin or whatever. But at the end of the day, they actually give a raffle for the chance to buy either a gift set or the Illumineers Trove. And uh, this last Tuesday, I was there with my son playing some Lorcana. Uh, I won one, lost one. It was a blast, though. And uh, I won the final raffle. So I finally got the chance to buy the Illumineers Trove. It's so funny that you win the chance to purchase something right, from them. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you win the chance to pay us money. But really, it did feel cool because that's what everybody wants. You know, they want the chance to buy it. And right. the best thing is, it was at MSRP. It was exactly. at market price, right? Or, or the suggested retail price, um, which I really appreciate about my local game shop. You know, they're not marking it way high and making a profit off of it. I mean, they still make a profit based on the, you know, MSRP right. price. They just could do a lot more. And I'm so glad that they don't because they're creating a loyal customer out of me and so many yeah. others. You know, they're creating a community. And uh, I, I love that about it. So it makes a big difference. And how much was the um, the MSRP on that one, the Lumineers Trove? I, I think it's just forty nine ninety nine around okay. fifty dollars. Yeah. See, I think two weeks ago I went uh, went to a game store, maybe like thirty minutes north of of uh, my place, and uh, they had the Lumineers Trove, and I was like, wow, they they actually have one. Like maybe I should buy it. And they're yeah. like, yeah, you can get it for one hundred thirty bucks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, is that a good deal? Let me maybe let me not. See. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be forty nine ninety nine, and so that's what I was what I was right. able to get it for, which was right. so great. And so it great. seems I mean, like with tax, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, it seems like online you'll be able to find access to to most of this stuff. It's not like it's impossible to find, uh, but you will notice that a lot of it is is marked up by a, a moderate amount. So see if you can find it at your local game store. See if they have it for MSRP. Um, but also, um, you know, cross your fingers for the restock. It seems like it's it's not going to be so hard to find anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm hoping it might take until you know, like the third set comes out to to be more readily available. But I, mm -hmm. I hope it's you know I hope we don't have to wait too long. Um, we'll probably talk about this in a future episode, but with this November, um, you know, chapter two coming out, uh, I, they're also doing a, a re printing of, of the first chapter, which I think is great. You know, yeah, we, we might see some of the prices drop for some of the singles, which I will appreciate. It's been hard to build a deck that's competitive, <laughs> you know, cause we just mm -hmm. don't have access to cards unless you have a lot of money. Which right. uh, you know we don't. So, um, but yeah, it, it'll be it'll be fun to just kind of uh, you know go on this journey together, you know, and and with our listeners, and you know, hopefully when there's more product, we'll be able to do some some giveaways and some fun things. Um, so just really quickly, you know, we'll we'll kind of wrap things up. But um, one of the places you can find us is on Twitter or X at um, Once Upon a Lorcana. You can look for us there. Also, if you have any questions or comments or uh, suggestions for for talking points for the podcast, feel free to email us at onceuponalorcana at gmail.com. We'd love to to hear about, you know, what things you want us to talk about. And uh, we'd love to involve you in this, you know, this awesome Disney adventure that we're going on. Yeah, I'd love to hear what kind of decks you're building, what cards you're excited about. Um, 
how the experience has been for you these first couple of months of, of Lorcana. It's been such an adventure. That's right. That's right. So thank you all so much. Until next time, fellow Illumineers, keep your decks ready, your imagination soaring, and remember that in the enchanting world of Lorcana, every shuffle is a new adventure. Till next time. <laughs> Take care. Bye.